Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as per usual, is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bondle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I am ready for this episode. (laughs) I have been ready for this episode for, like, weeks. What are we talking about today that has you so excited? Whew. Um, well, we are talking about uh, the latest Jane Austen adaptation to blow up the uh, media discourse on all of our social media apps. And that is Netflix's new Persuasion. And to discuss, uh, I'm making a hands gesture, all of that, uh, Contributor Janet Mullaney is here with us again today. Hey, Janet. Hey, thank you for inviting me. Um, but I'm not thanking you for making me watch this film. <laughs> I mean, oh, Lord, yeah, it's going to be. Look, un- let me just let me just okay. let me just put it out front before we react to it. I think we all really wanted to love this movie. Because yes, Persu- okay. Persuasion is one of my favorite Jane Austens. I think the we did a whole classics revisited on the 1995 film with uh, Amanda Root and Syrian Hines, and it's beautiful. The story is beautiful. It's so just melancholy and sad and gorgeous. And I actually really like hate that this is one of the Jane Austens that doesn't get adapted very often. Like we get tons of Pride and Prejudices and Sense and Sensibilities and Emmas, but this one most people shy away from because it's really, like I said, it's it's sad. That's like, it's so sad. And it speaks to me now that I'm, you know, older and <laughs> sad, I guess. I don't know. But like, before we even get into this, let us all just, let's just state for the record and, and, you know, posterity and eternity that we all really wanted to love this movie. Oh, absolutely. I'm pretty sure none of us did, but we wanted to. Yeah, I was very disappointed um, because, I mean, this this is, in an should well, it should have been an, a good a good movie because it is an important movie. It's the first Jane Austen adaptation to have colorblind casting, but it is not a good movie, and it's not a good interpretation. And I, I was trying not to read reviews, and I tried not to fret over the two trailers, but what a disappointment, really. I know. And the thing is, like, if this, I, there, like, if, if, if you had no idea what persuasion was, um, and you just watch this movie, or maybe if these characters had different names, like, there is a, like, why not just make the cute Regency rom com you wanted to make? Like, why pretend that this is persuasion, which is my biggest, my biggest problem with the movie is that this is a cute movie in a lot of ways, but that's not Anne Elliot. That's not persuasion. And I, I think that is the 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 heart of the problem with this film. Mm-hmm. Um, is that uh I think all three of us really feel for Anne Elliot when we read the books. Mm-hmm. This one spills a gravy boat on herself. Anne Elliot would never. <laughs> um, you know, I actually I when I was a teen so um when I was a teenager, um the first time I read Persuasion, I guess I was like college age-ish. And I kind of thought that Anne Elliot was kind of a uh, weak and kind of I didn't like her very much. Remember, my first uh, Jane Austen that I really loved was was Emma, and 
when I said something to the effect to my mom, who is an actual Jane Austen scholar, she said to me, but Anne Elliot is so good. Anne Elliot is like the best person there is. Even Jane Austen said that Anne Elliot is too good for me, like as a character, like she's a character who is too good to be friends with me in real life. Um, I don't know if that I don't know like where Jane Austen said that. I assume it's like in one of her letters or my mom read it in a biography a biography or something. But that has always stayed with me since. And you know, reading the book later in life, like one of the things that really struck me about it is that in a way it's almost a horror film uh, for the heroine because she's stuck. She's made this te- she's made one terrible choice by listening to friends and family who didn't have her best interest at heart. And she's now basically trapped. And if she doesn't, if she ne- if she never ran back into Captain Wentworth, she would basically be stuck there for the rest of her life with no escape. Mm-hmm. And yeah. none of that, <laughs> none of that is in the movie. And I think that that's part of my problem. But I feel like somebody who somebody read the book when I was young, read the book and had that same ugh, Anne Elliot, she's so weak. Nobody will like that. Let's fix her. And so the movie has this completely reimagined idea of what Anne Elliot could be, and it completely fails. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they decided to reimagine her as like someone who falls down a lot. Oh, it, it's yeah. it's the cl- it's the klutzy rom com heroine. I I get I get the trope that they're going for, but uh, Dakota Johnson is woefully miscast in this role. First of all, like it's not believable that she's klutzy, so mm-hmm. it just seems like she's prat falling everywhere. Um, and second of all, you know she's. Anne Elliot is small. She's she's quiet. She doesn't speak. Like the whole breaking the fourth wall thing. Like my my first response is that should work because I mean, how much does Anne Elliot actually talk in the books in the in in the early going? Like she barely actually says anything for herself. To me, it felt like they were trying to turn her into Emma, and it really like with sort of social commentary, bon mots and asides. I was just it was really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is a person who didn't like Anne Elliot on the page and wanted to make her Emma. And that's make Emma. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The point I, uh, the point I think they missed was that Anne Elliot is the only grown up in the book. Correct. And because she's surrounded by fools and, um, well, her family particularly. You know who understood the assignment was Richard E. Grant. Oh my God. Oh, he was terrific. Towards the end, because he's having such a ball playing Sir Walter, I was just I was rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> and you should the fact that this movie made me root for her dad uh, you, you, uh. anyway continue janet sorry i just had to be like that's one of the few things i really liked in this movie so let me make sure i say <laughs> and and also it is actually quite a funny book i mean it's got some deadly humor in it and um and it's like well you know a lot of people think that you know this is jane austen's last novel and um, she's sort of saying she's um, accepting things as they are, and it's her sort of swan song. But you have to remember that she, she right after this, she was writing Sanditon, which is a farce. I mean, bring on the carriage crashes. So, <laughs> um, and, you know, it's a frustrating thing because, you know, we don't have original manuscripts or plot outlines or anything like that of the novels and um and so who knows 
whether this started off and just sprang fully formed onto the page or whether she did a whole bunch of revisions, we just don't really know. And uh, I, um, well, gosh, yeah, you know, I, I'm just disappointed. Um, I mean, Richard E. Grant, I, mean, I was praying for Richard E. Grant to come in and do something dreadful. Uh, most of the time, I mean, there, there just wasn't enough Richard E. Grant in it, and um, I don't know. The casting was sort of odd. Um, some of them were pretty good. Uh, Henry Golding looks hot like fire. Oh, he, oh, he like, does. I'm yes. sorry, he looks yeah. so great. Can someone please airlift him out of this movie and drop him in like a real one? Like just just take him and like replant him somewhere in a real Jane Austen. I mean, can you see him as like a Darcy? Oh Lord! I mean, come on! Oh yes, I'm totally here for that. Um, but the fact is, is that you know when you the the movie doesn't work because they have everything. You know how they say fish rots from the head because they screwed up Anne Elliot. Nothing else works. All that follows mm -hmm. does not work. Um, Wentworth, you know, he's trying to do the stoic thing that he's supposed to do, but next to these bursts of personality that keep popping out of Anne, he just kind of looks like a, a a wooden board that doesn't have any personality, or an iron, or a razor. Right? Like there's just it's. <laughs> It is. It is. It is painful, and yeah. you know, I get the the there there there's there's a drive to modernize, right? Like I felt, you know, you said that uh the 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 fourth wall thing, you know, I was thinking uh, that they stole it more from um like Fleabag or like Dickinson or or yeah. or the Great. I just I just meant more like that. That was the character that I felt like that would most fit for because you know that that is that's Emma's whole deal is is she is that person and is not that person. Yeah. But I feel like the idea is that they wanted to make a Dickinson. They wanted to make, you know, the, 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 they wanted to make something that was a cross between like the Bridgerton world and one of these sort of modern, these modernist period pieces. Um, the, the pursuit of love comes to mind, you know, mm -hmm. I keep thinking I keep thinking that it's so clear that they all saw um the Anya Taylor Joy Emma. Oh yes. And they felt like that, that I think that was a big influence on this but the difference is that that Emma is really true to the spirit of Emma Woodhouse and it's really true to that story and it's really like yes the, it it's a much more it has a much more modern sensibility but it is still recognizably Emma down to the ground. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, there were it. The movie loses a lot of how mean Emma is in 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 trying to make her likable, and I, I get that for some people it it was too much fluffy rom com and not enough like and and not quite enough of the book. But you know, Emma lends itself to that. I mean, look at Clueless. That's what the sh that it, it lends itself to rom coming. This book doesn't lend itself to that, and I don't understand why you would try and basically like force the peg into a round hole yes it, it was like it went too far but not it went both too far and not far enough i kept thinking about Ianucci's um david copperfield which i think was absolutely brilliant and that had a lot of fourth wall stuff in it and a lot of bizarre things and you know which totally makes yes, sense for yes, Dickens as yes, well too. absolutely um and but this was like Oh, I don't know. It was sort of half-hearted in a way. I mean, I found it boring. And I'm sorry, 
but I did go to sleep twice while I was watching it. <laughs> you know, it just, there's there's just and, and and the worst part is is that the when they do modernize, like the jokes that they make aren't all that funny. You know, the thing about being a five in London and a ten in Bath. No, no, no. The noise I made about the playlist you made her. Oh, the playlist. Oh. <laughs> Or, or that you should listen to Beethoven, that the best way to listen to Beethoven is in your room with wine. You know, that's, I mean, just, just, um, yeah, sure. Just as soon as they invent the record player in a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm currently uh, watching Brideshead Revisited for an episode that we are going to do in a couple of weeks. And uh, I'm to the part where it's all Sebastian does, like his defining characteristic is drink wine. <laughs> and it just is really Anne Elliot feeling. <laughs> in this movie because that's like her constant state is like semi-drunk i mean no judgment girl but again it's weird well people did drink a lot then um but i mean i i mean she acts like somebody who has a real issue with drinking you know she drinks in secret she drinks on her own (laughs) she hides booze uh i mean making an elliot an alcoholic is her really like that's a choice (laughs) and that's not a good choice Well, I don't, well, it just isn't particularly amusing. And and she does some strange, strange things like... Um, yeah, like the gravy know, boat. The gra- yeah, the gravy boat and the jam moustache. And um, <laughs> I forgot about the jam moustache. We're all trying to forget <laughs> about the jam moustache. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. I mean, no one, I mean, the gravy boat really is quite startling, like, because it just feels so left field when it finally happens. You're like, well, also, who in the world thinks Anne Elliot is like hollering at a man out a window? Right? Like, she's a wallflower. She's quiet. She's shy. She's polite. Right? She is too, she is the best, she is too good for Jane Austen. Right? And here she is behaving, I mean, honestly, like, she feels like she's, like, I will say that she does feel like she fits in with the rest of the Elliots now, but that's not a good thing. Speaking of the rest of the Elliots, I do have to give a shout out to my absolute favorite part of the movie, which is her sister Mary. Oh, yes. incredible she hates everything she hates poor people she hates her own children she hate like she is spot on perfect oh yeah um <laughs> mia mia mckenna bruce is the is the actress who plays mary and i i honestly like again i should not be rooting for the other elliots but like every time she showed up it was a relief because at least i knew things would be funny you know, like yeah. and that's that's really frustrating because you're not I'm not supposed to root for the others. And I'm not supposed to think that she belongs with Mr. Elliot more than she does with Wentworth. They did have some great chemistry, though. They really did. I mean, mm-hmm. but what by changing Anne Elliot into this person, she actually they, they accidentally made her the right person for Mr. Elliot. Mm-hmm. And that's that 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 just that just I bleh. well I think we need to talk about Mr. Elliot because yeah he is the villain of the piece and he made Mrs. Clay his mistress so that Sir Walter would not marry her and instead he oh is this a spoiler yes it's a spoiler he ends up marrying Mrs. Clay I mean are there spoilers for a book that's this old um if 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 you can buy it on the bookshelf or download it onto your kindle it is not a spoiler right um because um that that makes sense he didn't want sir walter elliot to produce a son but 
he can only marry one woman. So, you know, does he then have to devote himself to the next, I don't know, few decades of his life following Sir Walter Elliot around and trying, well, he can't marry other women. It would make absolute sense to seduce um, a woman that Sir Walter Elliot was attracted to so that she would be beneath him and she wouldn't marry him. I mean, that really was silly and it took a lot of the sting out of it because he's not a nice man. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that that is also they, they also made him a little too nice. They made him a little too nice. They made her a little too awful. And they met in the middle, you know, and there's also that moment where like, you know, when he comes in and 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 she's supposed to basically be kind of appalled by him. And instead, this Anne Elliot is just like, oh, well, I like that he's so forthright. Mm, yeah, <sighs> and instead she ends up with Cosmo Jarvis, and I mean Wentworth bothered me as well, and there was far too much talking between them as well. I mean that ridiculous scene at the beach, which seemed to go on for about three hours, um, in itself, um, where she walks into the water in her dress and swims around. I mean, oh lord, and they're going to be friends? Yeah, well, you, uh, not then. You wouldn't really be friends with a man unless he was your brother-in-law or something, or cousin, or... I know, it's just tone deaf, the whole thing. It, it really... I, I just... If you don't think that the movie... That you don't think the book is going to work for modern audiences, this is not the way to go about trying to change I that. I just don't know why they didn't make the little Regency rom-com about exes pining for each other that they wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Just call it something else. Is it is it that they were afraid that they would end up like Mr. Malcolm's List, you know, uh, in, in indie theaters without any marketing? Is that what is that what the problem is? I don't is, know. Is, is, no, because... Well, you know Netflix doesn't care if people hate watch. Stop well, hate watching yes. things, Everyone. Well, Austin sells, and you know it's it. So what what they did was settle for a very, very generic view of the period. I mean, like the clothes are very nice and pretty, but you can't say, "Oh yeah, that's definitely an eighteen sixteen dress." Oh no, no, no. There's nothing. I I don't I don't feel like the costumes were were period accurate at all. But oh no, you know no, I don't won't. need them to be period accurate, but I do need them to have a point of view. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I need I, I need design elements to have a point of view, and I kind of felt like there wasn't one for most of everything here. Like the costume, there was no follow through in the costumes, other than oh, we're supposed to put Anne in drab things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she had such cute dresses too, yes, though. Right? There was a lovely red dress. By the time she got to Bath, she was wearing some nice stuff. Um, I, I think the other the other massive failure of this is there was no context, whereas. The 1995 one was very smart about this. They knew exactly when it was set. They knew what was happening. So you have the piece of army and and so you have all these naval officers wandering around with time on their hands. And uh, but you couldn't actually tell when this was because it seemed like it was post-Napoleonic Wars because um, uh, Lady Russell wanted to go off on an adventure to hunt young men in Europe, which apparently is something she'd be doing. And though you could travel during wartime, it probably might not have been that great an idea. And um, and also, uh, it was like uh, the, there was that thing about, well, uh, uh, Wentworth had to take a ship to Malta or somewhere on Saturday. And why? Like the next day. Something like that, yeah, yeah. And it didn't make any sense. 
No, it 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 doesn't try to center itself yeah. in any sort of way to feel like it, it's trying to be anything. Speaking of Lady Russell, you know, I I really love Nikki Amuka Bird. I think she's great. Yes, yeah, and is. I think she did her best with this. Yeah, but that's. Again, much like Anne Elliot, like I was sort of like, I can't even sort of squint and turn my head and see the character I thought I was supposed to see here. Right. Like I, I was really a, I was a, I was I was genuinely startled by those changes, too. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they, um, the movie was presenting Lady Russell as Anne's friend. She really wasn't Anne's friend. That. That is part of it, yes. Um, that they that they wanted to sort of th- that they wanted to make characters sm- far more simplistic and far more in twentieth century style relationships, or and I mean, I I guess, but also that uh, as 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 Lacey says, why not just make a different movie? Mm. Especially yeah. because one of the other things this movie is one hundred percent disinterested in even poking at in the vaguest way is class stuff yeah Mm -hmm. and class issues are such a big part of the novel and basically we get the explanation that her snotty family didn't like him and that's kind of the end of it yeah the whole idea that he the the whole idea that sir walter cannot stand a self-made man and that he he finds them that he finds the entire concept horrifying is completely lost um, the idea that that these that that Anne at one point says to the, Anne at one point says to the effect that 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 any eligible bachelor will do, and it's like, girl, no, that's not how this works, and and it's like the it's like the movie isn't interested in trying to make any of that make sense. They don't care, which. It's really weird. I know, like occasionally they'll let Mary make fun of poor people, and that is kind of it. Mm-hmm. Because she's supposed to be horrible and hate poor people, but so so is Sir Walter, and he doesn't actually ever get to be. He doesn't really as as awful as he is. He doesn't get to actually be awful. Does that make sense? Like, and that's part of why he becomes so likable, and why towards the end I was rooting for him. Well, he's the only person who really seems invested in his role. That too. Nope, I'm I'm here to stand for Mary. She knew the she knew what she was doing. Um, I uh, I, you know, what really bothers me about this the most, and and you know, uh, Janet, you alluded to this at the beginning of of the of the episode. You know, this is one of the first diverse casts that we've seen in a Jane Austen film. I think Sanditon's the only, basically the only other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. It's a really good thing that Bridgerton has had such an effect that this can that it can withstand a failure like this mm-hmm. because you know we have a there's a subsection of the Jane Austen fandom who will tell you things are not historically accurate or that it it's not true to the book and it's a dog whistle meaning it's not white and that's yeah. that's a problem with that's a problem in the fandom that the fandom does not deal with. And so when you have these reviews, which are basically saying it's not true to the book and it's not historically accurate, meaning those actual words, those people uh, uh, who hear it as a dog whistle, jump on it and grab it and wave it around and say, see, see, this is why this is this is why we should never do this stuff. 
This this is why this is terrible. This is why we can't have nice things. Right. And that's and that's really frustrating. I'm sorry. The nice thing we can't have is that because we got this terrible mess, we lost Sarah Snook from Succession as Anne Elliot, which I will be mad about until the end of time. Oh, that's right. And that actually had and that actually had a co-lead of color. It was Joel Fry. I forgot. I forgot all about that they basically just canceled that adaptation once netflix announced theirs sarah snook guys we could have had sarah snook oh well you know also this is very ironic but there was a black actor playing a footman in this because and that is so traditional all the bbc um adaptations if they had any person of color at all he was always a footman you know, with the wig and the whole lot. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that that's... That I, I, you know, mostly, most of the BBC things are so lily white that I don't think I've ever really, like, picked up on that. That's mm-hmm. a good observation. I actually really like the way that they handled... I, I, I like that they handled the... I felt like the integration of all of the characters, no matter what... what race they were was really seamless and really effortless i loved all the dinner scenes with all of them together i actually really loved louisa um i thought she was great i was actually kind of like yes maybe you should marry wentworth (laughs) i don't know (laughs) um but i thought i thought the the movie did a really good job of actually genuinely using its characters of color but mm-hmm. not and not tokenizing them, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, it, it totally makes sense. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, it also does, you know, one of my 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 only real problems with Bridgerton is that it attempted to explain itself at one oh, point gosh. in the first season. Yeah, but then it didn't because it was never like these girls are from India. Is the Raj there? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and then they never mentioned it again, because honestly, the, the correct way to deal with this is never complain, never explain. You know, it's it's a fantasy. It's it. If a fantasy can have dragons, it could have black people, okay? That was my big argument in Game of Thrones. And I will use it till the day I die because it really just, I I feel like there really isn't a better way to put it. But honestly, like, having a diverse cast like this and not apologizing for it and not trying to explain it and just making it as as a natural thing is probably one of the few things this movie does right. I I really got like a, I don't actually hate the show, but... I'm going to use it as an example here. I don't mean that I dislike it. Like, I really got, like, a really great, like, ensemble friends kind of feel from, like, the group of youngsters or middle-agers, I guess, in this sense. But, like, all of their scenes of them tramping around through the beautiful countryside, like, oh, just yeah. being dumb friends together, I thought was great. Yeah. There, th- th- the thing is, is that this this movie had some really good ideas. And it had some really nice moments. But the overall effect of, as I said, fish rots from the head and Dakota Johnson is, I I don't even think this is her fault, but she's miscast. The the character is not written correctly and it ruins basically everything. And that's incredibly frustrating. Hmm. Yeah, it's a persuasion light. If it were... I don't even feel like it's persuasion. I feel like it's completely divorced from the book, that they took the name of the book because they didn't trust people to tune in if it didn't have Jane Austen's name Mm -hmm. on it and just slapped it on there. In what world do you think this Anne would be persuaded by any about anything by her dumb family? Right? Like that's mm-hmm. the other thing that that was the other thing that that really truly ruined this movie for me is that I never once believed that this Anne 
what could have been told to dump Captain Wentworth the first time. I simply didn't believe it. She literally spends the entire movie mocking her family. Yeah. And yeah. telling us that she knows how dumb they are. And if, if you knew that girl, why did you why why did why did you leave him? Why did you you wouldn't have? This is not mm-hmm. the, she she's not that this Anne Elliot is simply not that kind of girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it was you know another thing. Generally, with an Austen adaptation, you get nice scenery and things like the and you know the big houses and all that and all that stuff. But this really wasn't a very nice looking movie. Do we know where they filmed this? I actually don't. Um, I no, I couldn't find. That's the trouble with Netflix; they always take the credits away from you. Because I wanted to find out what the classical music was they used, because there was one piece, the piano piece, which I think was by Gluck, but I'm not sure. And also the Italian aria, because I said, "What on earth are these people doing, listening to a Baroque aria at a concert?" That's old school. <laughs> I, did, I read an article that said that the actual um, real life bath is seeing sort of an uptick in Gen Z tourism, thanks to all of these sort of period pieces that are being set oh, yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that means this was actually filmed in Bath or if people just believe it was because it says they're in Bath. I think it was filmed on the Royal Crescent. Um, yeah, I thought one of the hilarious things about Bridgerton was that to get from Mayfair to Buc- to St. James's Palace, you had to go via Bath. Um <laughs> <laughs> Like let let's do a hundred and forty mile detour. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, I know one more thing I wanted yeah. us to talk about uh, specifically, and I just the letter scene. Oh, oh God. Oh, <laughs> okay. So the letter scene is supposed to make you cry. Yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, like it felt because Anne and Mister Elliot felt like they could be a couple, and. You know, Louisa almost seems like a pretty decent parent. They they spend half the movie hanging out together. Right? Like, they actually don't seem like a bad match. Like, the letter just feels, I don't know, forced? Yes. There is is nothing at risk for Wentworth in writing that letter. Because you you just have the feeling that he could just sort of say, oh, oh, I guess she didn't show up. So, you know. I know a lot of people complain that Tyrion Hines is too old to be Wentworth, but and and you know what I respect that because yeah. he is he is a little he's a little far past where I think the character would reasonably in the be in the book. But the reason that that worked for him is that it really in, imbued that character with sort of this world weary old sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, he had gravitas. Yeah, that he that he knew writing this letter, like what it cost him to be writing this letter, what the rest of his life would look like if it didn't work, if the letter didn't work, like all this. I just don't believe this Wentworth could write that letter. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I I think that's that's the other thing. You know, one of the things about the persu- in in the book of persuasion, you know, Anne and Wentworth know what it's like for to not choose each other and to live without each other. And there's, you know, to put their pride aside and basically, you know, admit they were wrong and actually together is a much, much better life for both of them, you know, is is kind of that it really gives this sort of it gives the the the, the pathos of it. And it may it really adds to the emotion of that ending. Right. And 
I I never once felt like Wentworth really cared too much that he that that Anne rejected him other than his ego, and I never really felt like I mean honestly I, I this Anne was so like why would she marry like I don't even understand why she'd marry him she almost seemed bored with him other than he's a ten <laughs> I could not see her going to sea with him and oh, going into that. battle with him um. I mean, in fact, he seemed to have, um, that's Cosmo Jarvis as Wentworth. He seemed to have no sort of backstory. He just looked like a slob. Whereas, I mean, <laughs> Kieran Hines scrubbed up really nicely. And yeah, he looked, remember Sir Walter Elliot complains that naval men always look older than their years because they have terrible complexions. Well, yeah. So Kieran Hines looked exactly right, whereas Cosmo Jarvis was just wearing very odd clothes and crumpled clothes and he was unshaven. And even in uniform, he looked a mess. Oh, and no hats. No hats anywhere. A great disappointment. Yes, I, w yeah. I will say that there was a disappointment there. But again, like I, I, there's a level where I'm always willing to forgive costume stuff and period pieces, not wigs, because if your wig looks bad, it pisses me off because then it takes me out of everything. But like, I, I could, I, 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 I understand why Bridgerton doesn't do hats because Bridgerton need needs you to see their faces, and I was accepting the fact that this was taking that same route, and I wasn't going to be upset by it. But you know, it it it's very sad not to have them too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think a lot of people don't use like bonnets in Jane Austen anymore. No, yeah. they really mm -hmm. don't. It 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 really is. It really has become passe. I really, you know, the fact that they actually used them at all in Emma was kind of remarkable. I mean, they don't in Sanditon. Oh, and the gloves. Yes, the gloves in Emma were amazing because they were all hand sewn and beautiful. I mean, those costumes were fantastic. They really were. I mean, yeah. I, the thing is, is that I am I am willing to forgive rom coming up Jane Austen instead of instead of making her social satire, especially in this day and age, because it it has been you know two three hundred years, you know. So it's it they're they're the social commentary from from hundreds of years ago will not always do well with us right like I, I get that I don't know clueless got it right it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty yeah I I, I agree but to do that you have to modernize it and to, to try to do the social satire of the time in a period piece isn't always going to work and so to replace it with sort of romantic comedy is at least getting the humor of Jane Austen even if you getting even, even if you're coming at it from a completely different angle yeah the thing is about this is so if somebody comes to Jane Austen through this movie, what is their reaction going to be if they try to read the book? If they know nothing, very little about the period, except what they've seen on Bridgerton and and um, what they've seen in this persuasion. That's a great question. You have to sort of hope that they'll read the book because the book is so brilliant and it's so wonderful. But... Um, you know, because basically the Jane Austen Society wants to rule the world and gather everyone and make everyone into a into a deep reader of Austen, which I think is great. So, but saying that seeing this movie will get people into Austen, I'm not sure it will. Yeah, 
I mean, I think that is, you know, for all that, like, I think the Kieran Knightley Pride and Prejudice has nothing on the 1995 one. I understand that that one got people to read Pride and Prejudice and that when they picked up Pride and Prejudice, they weren't perplexed and puzzled by what they found. And I can only imagine anyone who picks up this book after, you know, if they are persuaded to pick up the book, they will simply just be like, I'm sorry, what? Like, who is this woman? Yeah, yeah. a lot of maybe younger readers would probably have trouble with the actual language because Austin does write these long sentences full of clauses and whatnots and, you know, that go on and on and on. And, um, and you have to sort of dig pretty deep to find the funny stuff in there, but it is there. So it's possible. Now, I think Persuasion was, was the first Austin I read. Um. And I was thrilled by it because um, I knew Bath pretty well. And you could follow the characters through the city, which was amazing. That's really lovely. Yeah, I um, I, I didn't feel like the background of this of this was Bath. And that's maybe partly because I know that Bridgerton uses Bath. And so I was sort of expecting to see the same places that I didn't really. Um but it 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 goes hand in hand with the you know there's no real set there's there's no real context there's no real context of bath either there's mm. no context of 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 any of it well it goes back a little bit to the class issue there's no sense of like the social structure right of mm-hmm. this place because the movie's not interested in that it's just these pack of of 20 somethings sort of wandering freely and again like i i i I, I really I think you have it right. Why make this when you could have just made the movie you wanted to make? Did you really feel like you had to slap persuasion on the title in order to get everybody to watch? Because that's really not how that works. And that's also just really insulting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it because, you know, we are in a media landscape where brand IP sells and Jane Austen is a known quantity and Unfortunately, I'm sure there are a lot of people who hate watch this movie and Netflix doesn't care it's about true. where the views come from. Um, stop hate watching things is what I'm saying. Uh, Netflix. Of, of, of all, why did Netflix choose this? Why didn't it just do Pride and Prejudice or Sense and Sensibility or another Emma? Why? How about Northanger Abbey? Or that great gothic stuff. Do you know that do you, I had this thought that that Fleabag style narration yes. would work absolutely, absolutely. perfectly yes. for that yes. book. Okay, but Northanger Abbey and 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 Mansfield Park and and Persuasion, those are the three that only Aust- hardcore Austin people know about. Okay, mm-hmm. there's the ones that basically there are the three that no people who have never read a book know that Pride and Prejudice was written by Jane Austen. Right. Yeah. But like I wasn't even sure how to pronounce Northanger Abbey or if it's Northanger Abbey. Right? Like, because I'd only ever read it because no one ever talks about it. I mean, I'm still not. Right? It's like, North Anger. North Anger. Okay, because that's how... I, but if if that's how unpopular it is, like, it's not... If you're you're correct in that of all of them, of uh, if you were going to pick an unknown, that's probably a better choice. Because, again, Fanny Bryce in Mansfield Park is just as hard to deal with for a modern audience as Anne Elliot. You know, um, so you'd have to do the same thing. Isn't it Fanny Price? Fanny Price is funny Fanny... girl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we've all been reading about that drama. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but 
But I mean, I'll, you know what? You know what I would actually re- number one. I think that Fleabag style of sort of inserting the narrator into telling the story directly to the audience would completely one hundred percent like kill for Northanger Abbey. Yeah. Two, I would love to see somebody actually do like a modern Mansfield Park. And not modern in the sense of like set in modern day, but that actually confronts like the the ickier parts of that story. I'm sure like the discourse would be a nightmare, but I think that would be really worthwhile to do. Well, the 1999 version did to a certain extent, but then it sort of lost interest in it. Mind you, it had the best Crawford pair I've ever seen. I mean, they were just amazing. Alessandra Navala and... um. I can't remember her name. Sorry about that. Um, but they were terrific. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, Austin's a big girl. She can she can take this. Um, I mean, there will be bad versions. Oh, no, um, it's true. And, and yeah. that's why I said I'm really glad that Bridgerton is big enough to be able to sort of, you know, when you have such low representation in of anything like if you don't have a lot of things that are lgbtq you go and you try and watch every lgbtq thing that's made to try to support it and then you can't one bad thing can can derail the whole thing i'm thinking of like the ghostbusters with that was all women like that got bad reviews and it kind of derailed remakes where you recast them all as women like that really did take that out i really like that movie haters to the left but it so you know i'm really glad that you know this I could see why people might be afraid to be critical of this because you know there's so few of them we can't risk we can't risk it but you can and I feel that I feel that that's actually a really good thing that we've reached a a saturation of mm, I think saturation is a strong I think a saturation is a strong word but Bridgerton's going to run for another three or four years so there's safety there. But we've we, okay, maybe not saturation, but we're we're not still at the point that the first bad one will derail it. We have gone beyond that. Like it's not. It, it, it may it may be that once Bridgerton goes off the air, we won't have any more of these. But mm-hmm. for now, we can withstand this. Does yeah, I also think it's worth noting that almost all of the negative reviews are really just about the adaptation aspects. Not the casting, who I think we all can agree are just pretty charming in some mm-hmm. often thankless roles. Like I said, I don't think this is Johnson's fault. I mean, maybe it is, but I don't think it is. I think she just didn't understand that. I mean, I think she did an a- admirable job playing the character she was told to be playing. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> I don't think that character is in <laughs> Elliot, but um, I think the reason that it makes me so sad is that I love persuasion. And it, because it's. It it doesn't get adapted as much, and this is only like what the fourth one, the third one, yeah. And and it's just like, oh no, now we're gonna have to wait forever for another version of this because they're like, well, people hate persuasion. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Jane Austens get made about every fifteen to twenty years, depending. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think that might be true, but hopefully not. Hopefully, you know, this. Hopefully, there will be more. Like, I want more people to go and read Persuasion. And I don't know that this movie is going to convince anyone (laughs) to go and read Persuasion. It's true. Womp. Well, they could come join my Jane Austen reading group. We're doing Persuasion next. Do you just read the the five over and over? Oh, no. Or do you read ancillary things? We have a schedule. We, uh, this was developed by um, Jane Austen Society of North America chapter, I think the Vermont chapter. You read the book 
And then you read some background on the book, and then you read some background on um, on the history of the period. So it's like it's a six month run on each book. And oh, then, um, interesting. But, but but we adapted it because I think we need more time on the book rather than the first meeting, and um, also uh, we we added in a section on the movie versions thereof. And that's tricky because not everybody has subscriptions to things, and um, we've we've just finished Mansfield Park, and there are um, there's the version of the people with the huge chins. That's the BBC one, and then there's the 1999 um, one with Francis O'Connor and Alessandra Nivolo, etc. Uh, but that's about all there is. Um, there's the Billy Piper one. There's the Francis O'Connor oh, one. Oh gosh, the, yes. The drag through a hedge backwards one. Yes. <laughs> oh, Billy Piper, I love you, but you make I, I, I love Billy Piper too, but that was an extraordinarily silly piece of casting. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I think those are the only uh, Mansfield Park ones that I know of. I can only think of two of Northanger Abbey, honestly. Um, the Felicity Jones, and then there's one from like the the eighties that has a. I forget who. I mean, that's another one that's hard to do because it's so gothic, which is why I think the commentary sort of like sending up the gothic elements would be really perfect. Well, that that early BBC one, which stars, um, oh, the guy who became Harry in MI5 as Henry Tilney, which is a very bizarre piece of casting. Um, <clears throat> I love Henry Tilney. I think he's terrific. Um, and uh, that was good because it based her interpretation of the and her fantasies about the novels as being like hammer horror movies. And and it was actually very clever and very nicely done. And they had a great bath sequence where people were walking around in the hot water with little trays in front of them, refreshments on them. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. Sense and Sensibility has had not as many as I think. I I I I'm tr- I can think of there. There was the one from 2008. That I think was... I think the last one was in 2008. So we are maybe due. But I part of it is because like everybody just loves the um, Emma Thompson one so much. Yeah. And it was you know nominated for an Oscar and probably really should have won. Yeah. The tr- the trouble with Sense and Sensibility is it's it's it, it it's plotting is very dodgy. Because there are large periods of time where, you know, Eleanor and Marianne are just hanging around waiting to hear from their boyfriends. It's like they're sitting by the phone. And and that is problematic in terms of keeping the viewers' interest. Yeah. I um I know that there I know that there's been uh, at least one other BBC one, maybe maybe more, but I can't think of them. Um and and I don't remember if I've ever seen them. Um so perhaps that's you know, I think of Sense and Sensibility as sort of the ones that people know of because yeah. even if they've never read a Jane Austen book. Yeah, they know it because of that movie. That's why. I suppose that's true. Yeah. It was that movie was massively massively successful. Also, Rip Allen Rickman, I love you. Also, I think it's because, you know, Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, like the two match together. So one sort of follows the other, even if you even if the other hasn't actually been adapted too many times. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we're due for several other adaptations and I would like to see them. And I would like them not to be like this. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this should be shoveled under the under the rug of appropriate viewing frankly honestly it, it doesn't matter because the gaping maw of streaming will just swallow it whole 
So true. <laughs> but I wish it had been better. Me too. I know. I like I said, I know we're all like, uh, this movie, but we all I I think it is important to underline again before people start yelling at us from the internet, is that we all wanted better for this than what we got. And it's not wrong to ask for that. It's not wrong to expect that. It's not wrong to hope for a final product that sort of looks like the thing it's supposed to be adapting rather than some movie you wanted to make but scrape the serial numbers off a different IP to do. I don't know. It's frustrating. It's sad. Go read the book. It's great. Watch the watch the 1995 version. It's also great. We did a whole episode on it. It's free on the um, Roku channel. Did not know that. It's also free on YouTube on some channel which is airing stuff there. Oh, really? Yeah. Um the I know it's free on the Roku channel cuz that's how I watched it for our for our for our uh for our uh, classics revisited. Um I think it's also on Amazon but only as a rental. Yeah. Mm. I own yeah. a physical DVD of it. <laughs> so do I. The color quality is atrocious. <laughs> Buy your media people, then you don't have to look for it. Um all right, I'm going to I'm going to call our our rant session here. Just ending on the note that we wish it was better because the story is great and you should check out a better version of it somewhere because it's really uh very much not in in some ways like the Jane Austen I think a lot of people expect. So, Janet, as always, thank you for coming by and visiting with us and uh, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Well, thank you for inviting me and letting me whine about this movie. Um, you can find me um, on Facebook occasionally, and I'm also on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm Janet underscore Mullaney. And, uh, you know, I like seeing pictures of your cats. I mean, I think that goes without saying for all of us. You have cats. We want to meet them. And of course, we we would let you come and rant. We made you watch it. (laughs) (laughs) It disturbed my sleep. I'm so sorry. (laughs) We are very cruel masters here. We Um, are. I'm drunk with power. (laughs) You can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats, if you love pictures of cats, Janet, um, on uh, Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer, Leet Daily, and the associate editor here at Televisions, and I freelance around the web. So if you want to know what I wrote about this week, just go follow me on Twitter because that's where I retweet all of my bylines. Huzzah. I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like everyone else, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines. So come be my friend and just follow whatever I happen to be yelling about at the moment, which may at this point still be this movie. I'm not sure. Uh, If you just want the site and the pod, they are on social media at Tele underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. You can listen to our podcast on WETA's YouTube channel at WETA PBS. And our whole site lives at televisions.org, where you can read recaps, check out news stories, listicles, all kinds of great stuff. And if you like what we do, you can click on the donate button up top to help us keep making all this great content for your eyes and ears. You'll also get access to PBS Passport, which this summer has a truly tremendous amount of early and exclusive binge opportunities for things that are currently airing, things that will air, and things that will not air that you can only watch there. Oh, that was a rhyme. I didn't even do that on purpose. Um, As always, thanks everybody for listening, for sitting through our sadness and rage about this particular film. If you want to yell at us, please don't email us. But if you want to have a coherent discussion, you can email us. We're at televisions at weta.org. And we'll be back, thankfully, on a different topic next week. 
Thanks for listening.